Hello friends, I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Pastor Christopher Alam in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And this today is the second lesson of uh, the subject I'm teaching now, uh, which is the blood covenant. And we finished lesson one yesterday and today is the second lesson. So uh, now the next verse I wanted to share with you is Genesis 3.21. And this is immediately after the fall of man, because what happened was that after the fall of man, Adam realized his own nakedness. Before that, he was not aware of it. And if you wonder what, what did they wear? Well, they were covered with the glory of God. That was the wonderful thing. Adam and Eve were covered with the glory of God. And because they were covered with the glory, they were in the glory, covered with the glory. There was no, uh, you know, no nakedness, no shame. But now because of sin, suddenly they became aware of their nakedness. And this is what God did for Adam and Eve. And this is the first time we see that the blood of innocent animals was shed to cover Adam and Eve. And Genesis 3.21 says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God made, make coats of skins and clothed them. So what God did was that he... Uh, he saw that the lives of innocent animals were shed and uh, so that their skin could clothe the nakedness of Adam and Eve. And this is the first time in the history of mankind that we see uh, that the innocent gives his life for the guilty. Now, so this was the first time ever we see that concept of the innocent dying to cover the sins of the guilty. And... And so this principle of an innocent life, the uh, being shed, I mean, the blood of an innocent uh, uh, animal being shed for the guilty, uh, you know, because life is in the blood and God has given uh, the blood to us to for an atonement of sin, uh, because without the shedding of blood, the Bible says, I read that scripture to you yesterday. There is no remission of sins. That means there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. That means that sin is such an abhorrent thing before God that somebody has to die for it. And because the wages of sin is death. And the Bible says that the soul that sinneth should die. And the only way that man has, uh, only way uh, out of this predicament that man has is if somebody else dies for him and it has to be somebody who is innocent. Uh, and so that's why they took an animal that was unblemished, that had no flaws and that was acceptable to God. But the blood of that animal could never take away sin. It could only cover over the sin for a while because the next year it had to be covered all over again. And we see that being practiced, <coughs> you know, um, a time of Abraham, time of Moses, through the prophet, Judaism practiced it. And, uh, and, and you can find it in all the major world religions, the whole principle of an innocent uh, dying for the guilty. And Abraham practiced it. And from, the, from, uh, from uh, uh, Abraham, uh, you even see the Muslims, our Muslim friends practice it. Of course, uh, if you ask the Muslim uh, friend, uh, uh, why do you practice, uh, sacrifice animals on Eid? He wouldn't be able to tell you. The average Muslim wouldn't be able to tell you. But those who know 
uh, those who study their scriptures will tell you it is a sunnah al-Ibrahimi. We did it because Abraham did it. And why did Abraham did it? Well, Abraham did it because that was the commandment of God. And you find it in all the other religions of the world. You will find that in some way or the other, or the other, that whole concept of, of the blood of the innocent being shed for the guilty, that concept exists. And that principle uh, runs through the Bible, through the entire Bible. You will see animals the blood of innocent animals being shed to cover the sins of, of, of guilty until Jesus came and John, and John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and Jesus being the perfect sacrifice. He not only, he didn't cover people's sins, but he took them away. That's why John the Baptist specifically said, he's the Lamb of God he didn't say who covers the sins of the world of the world because all those other lambs that were killed in the temple did that but this lamb he takes away the sins of the world that means the uh, he does away with the animal sacrifice uh, uh, animal sacrifices and and paul said in the book of hebrews he says that uh, that the blood of bulls and goats didn't uh, didn't satisfy God, but he says, Lord, here I am, Jesus said, and you know, and this is the body that you have given me. And he sacrificed his own body upon the cross and shed his own blood upon the cross. And that blood of Jesus settled the issue once and for all, because it didn't cover sin, but it took away the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. But anyway, we, we, we are talking about the blood. Why? The blood is so important in the in the Bible because uh, the blood was given for the atonement of sin and without blood there is no remission of sins. But anyway, so this Genesis 3.21, when God uh, uh, unto Adam and also to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. That was the first time that the blood of animals were uh, shed to cover Adam and Eve. Okay, so in the Bible, as we have, we can conclude this, that blood and life are synonymous. They go hand in hand, blood and life. In fact, nobody could come into the presence of God without the shedding of blood. And nobody could get anything from God without the grounds of blood sacrifices. Like, you know, when uh, when a child was born to a Jewish household, the first child, when he was brought to the temple to be blessed, a sacrifice had to be offered. Blood sacrifice had to be offered. And so if, uh, if someone got leprosy, an atonement had to be made for that person. An animal had to be sacrificed, even from cleansing from diseases, uh, which rendered people unclean. Uh, uh, issues of blood or bleeding or things like that, uh, animal sacrifices had to be made. So nobody could approach the throne of God or get anything from God without the shedding of blood. Because this is like, this is something that God was pointing out again and again. And it all, and you wonder what, but why? Well, it was building towards the cross of Calvary. You must understand that everything we, we read in the Old Testament, all these things happening, and you know, then you say, well, why is it so bloody? And uh, why, why is it like this? Why did God demand that animals be sacrificed for everything? Well, I believe, this is my take on it. I believe it was because God wanted us to realize how, how important 
sins and uncleanness are and, and what horrendous things they are uh, in the eyes of God and that uh, only blood sacrifice should be, uh, would be acceptable in order to deal with them. That's the first thing. And secondly, when, when, when we realize all this, we realize that, uh, I don't know, the numbers of sheep and goat and bulls that were offered in the temple over the years because the temple was a very, uh, very bloody place and how all that leads to that perfect Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, being sacrificed. So if you read all this in the Old Testament, you see it goes towards one thing. It points towards Jesus Christ, the ultimate Lamb of God. So we understand how precious the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was upon the cross and how precious his blood is and how how precious his blood is that it covers this that it not covers but it takes away it washes away this and this the sin and the guilt and the diseases the mental physical emotional diseases of all mankind so all these blood sacrifices are pointing towards that and so <coughs> let's look at hebrews i'm sorry coughing through the air conditioning Hebrews 9, 6 to 7, it says, Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. So even the priest, you know, when he entered into the holy place, he could do that only only once a, every year. I'm, and I'm going to read about that a little bit later, a few minutes from now, and you'll see a little bit more, that the priest, he could, he could enter the holy place, the holiest of holies, uh, and, but he could not come without blood. He had to come with blood, which he offered both for himself and for the sins of the people. And Hebrews 9, 18 to 22, I'm, I'm going to come to this. It says, I'm just building up towards that Hebrews 9, 18 to 22. It says, whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. That means the, uh, you know, the, the old covenant, the first covenant, uh, you know, uh, neither the first covenant was de dedicated without blood. That means that the old covenant was dedicated with blood. That's what it means. For when Moses had spoken every precept, that means he had given the law to the people. He had given every law to all the people, uh, you know, every precept to all the people according to the law. That means he gave every principle of the law to people. It says he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people. So it means that Moses, when he had spoken all the principles of the law to the people that mean he had given the complete law and all the principles of the law that God had given him to the people. The first thing he did was he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool, that means red wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people. He sprinkled that blood on the book and all the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant or the testament which God has enjoined unto you. That means that even the Old Testament law was dedicated uh, and presented to the people with blood. He said he sprinkled the blood and he says, 
and says, this is the book of the testament, the blood of the testament or the covenant. Uh, uh, the, the, uh, when I, I'm sorry, not the old covenant. The old covenant was given to Abraham without Moses. We must differentiate between the law and the covenant. That was my mistake. But he's talking about the blood of the testament, which means the old testament. He says, this is the blood of the testament which God has enjoined unto you. He said, this is the word, the word of the Old Testament that God gives unto you. And, uh, and you know, and it was dedicated with blood. It says, moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacles and the vessels of the ministry. So he took the blood and sprinkled the tabernacle and which was the tent, the meeting place. Uh, this is before Solomon's temple was built. Solomon, uh, you know, was the son of David. So the temple was built long after. And before this, the holiest of holy, uh, the holy place was in a tent, in a tabernacle. It says he sprinkled the tent <coughs> and all the vessels of the ministry, all the holy vessels, the vessels that we use for the ministry, he sprinkled them with blood. And then it says, uh, verse 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, that means cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. He says, all the things, everything in the temple and around the temple, everything that was used for worship has to be cleansed by the sprinkling of blood. It was the blood that cleansed all the vessels and without the shedding of blood, there is no cleansing. So it looks like it's, it, when you read it, it appears and you see that it is so, that God, he required cleansing with blood for every single thing. So if you walked into the temple uh, during those days, you would see, uh, I mean, the tabernacle during those days. And after Solomon built the temple, if you went to the temple or you went to the temple during the time of Jesus, let me tell you, it was a bloody place. The first thing you would hear was the bleating of lambs and goats and the bleating of animals being ready for sacrifice. Then you'd hear the sound of knives being sharpened. And then you would hear the loud bleating of animals as they were sacrificed and blood all over the place. But that was the way God wanted it. It was not like a modern day church with beautiful music playing and ushers in suits and everything clean. It was a bloody place because God required that with, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. A life for a life, the innocent dying for the guilty. And in those days, it was the blood of innocent animals. So you, you, you begin to realize how seriously, how severely God looks at sin that only, it can only be covered over with blood. And then you also realize what a price our Lord Jesus has to, had to as the Lamb of God, shedding his own blood so that you and I could be cleansed. Amen. So uh, anyway, uh, then we go to Leviticus 17, 11, And I read the scripture to you yesterday, but I'm, re uh, yesterday, but I'm repeating it to you today. For the life, the soul is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the reason of the life which is represented. So it says that life is in the blood and God has given this blood to us upon the altar to make atonement for our souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement. It's only the blood that makes atonement for reason 
of the life which is represents because when we see the blood it's not the physical red blood but it's the life that that blood represents there there is life that that blood represents and when you look at the blood you realize this blood was shed for the sins of people so you see what a you know what 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 a what a huge sacrifice this is even if it is the blood of an animal is the blood of an innocent animal and then you know we look at the blood of the son of god uh, how he shed his blood how precious jesus is how holy jesus is and how precious his blood is and that is why beloved one thing we must preach in the church is the message of holiness because uh, you see uh, we have come we live in a time in history when people sin without even giving it a second thought we 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 have this view that oh yeah i i i will just confess it to god and because god is so full of grace he forgives and uh, you know and and i believe listen i believe god is full of grace and he forgives but looking at it that way let us never forget the price that jesus had to it had to uh, pay so that you and i can be recipients of that grace the grace of god is available to us because of the blood of jesus jesus paid a terrible price for that grace to be available to us now if you lose sight of the blood then you think oh god is so full of grace abundance of grace so what i i can do this and i know it's bad but i can do this or i i can say you know um, i'm tired of my wife you know i think i love this other woman more my wife nags me and he she and i just don't get along so i'll trade her in for a younger model and so i i divorce my wife and i marry younger a younger woman and i have seen people do that and 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 i uh, i'll never forget i was counseling one lady and she said to me she says oh brother i know i know what you're going to say i know it is wrong yes i know what i'm doing is wrong but you got to understand the grace of god god is so good he will forgive me and and i'll get over it over some time and then everything will be okay and i'll be happy again and it's okay i know it's going to be okay because i trust in the grace of god and you know when people say those things listen i'm i'm not trying to be legalistic but i'm trying to help you and me to understand what a terrible price jesus paid for our sins and that is why we can never take these things lightly and say okay well you know god will forgive i'll be okay you know i feel terrible about it but i'll feel good again and and many people do that that's why i mean i live in america and people marry and remarry and divorce so easily and it's not a it's 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 not a huge deal for them and and and, and yeah, as it should be you know there, there's no godly sorrow that brings repentance but it's, yeah, i'm not trying to judge any one of you all i'm saying is that we must keep the blood in the forefront and realize how, what a terrible price jesus paid for our sins our iniquities and transgressions that sin is a serious thing so when we talk about uh, uh, committing adultery and fornication and doing things that are uh, not pleasing to god and we just hide behind grace and invoke the grace of god beloved let us never forget the price that our lord jesus paid for our sins and our iniquities upon the cross of calvary we have 
we have to remember these things and we have to realize the price that was paid for us. Anyway, in Leviticus chapter 8 verses 14 to 24, it says, And he brought the bullock for the sin offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the bullock for the sin offering. So he said, They brought the bullock, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the bullock. And then he says, And he slew it, and he killed the bull. And Moses took the blood and put it upon the horns of the altar round about with his finger. So Moses killed the bull and he took the blood of that bull. Can you imagine that scene? I remember when I was in India and, and I was going to uh, for eating for our food. And I and we uh, it happened twice. Once we killed a chicken. And I mean, you know, we were in rural India. There was. 30 years ago and another time we bought a goat and we had this you know Swedish guys they're going to video it with their cameras and on each occasion the guy with the camera he actually fainted I mean he just he couldn't stand the sight of blood but but that's how we look at the shedding of blood but here Moses he took the animal he killed it then he took the blood and he put the blood upon the horns of the altar round about with his finger, you know, and he, he purified the altar. So the altar of God was purified with blood. Then he poured the blood at the bottom of the altar and sanctified it to make reconciliation upon it. Then he took all the fat that was upon the inwards. He's talking about the animal and the call above the liver and the two kidneys and their fat. And then Moses burnt it upon the altar. But the bullock and his hide and his flesh and his dung, he burnt with fire without the camp as the Lord commanded Moses. And he brought the lamb for the burnt offerings and Aaron and his son laid their hands upon the head of the ram and he killed it. So now he killed the bull, he's going to kill this ram. And then says, uh, and, and he killed it and Moses Sprinkle the blood upon the altar roundabout. So first he did that with the blood of the bull. Now he's doing with the blood of the lamb. He sprinkled the blood of the ram, sorry, upon the altar roundabout. And he cut the ram into pieces. And Moses burnt the head and the pieces and the fat. And he washed the inward and the legs in water. And Moses burnt the whole ram upon the altar. <coughs> it was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet savor and an offering made by fire unto the Lord as the Lord commanded Moses. You see, God wanted all that, those bloody sacrifices because that is what it took to please him. And he brought the other ram. So there was another ram, the ram of consecration. And uh, Aaron and his sons laid, the hands, laid their hands upon the head of the ram. And then he killed that. And Moses took the blood of it so he took the blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear and upon the thumb of his right hand and upon the great toe of his right foot. And then he brought Aaron's sons and Moses put the blood upon the tip of their, now is Aaron's son. They get the blood on the right ear, upon the thumbs of their right hand and upon the great toe of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood upon the altar roundabout. So now he's sprinkling the blood uh, upon the altar of this third animal. So then after that, so now, I mean, I just want you to, I'm putting this very graphically, reading it to you straight from the scripture. So we understand the importance of blood in the Bible. Then it says, 
the height is, I'm, I'm, I've written down to, to you, I've done literally paraphrasing. Now the high, the high priest could uh, enter the most holy place only once a year in the day of atonement. And when he did so, there were several things. Firstly, his heart had to be pure. Secondly, his body had to be washed clean with water. Thirdly, he had to dress in garments specified by God. Fourthly, nobody could touch him. Nobody could have any physical contact with him. Then he offered blood sacrifices. First for his own sins. Then for the sins of his family. Then for the entire nation of Israel. After that, he did what Moses had done to him. He took blood on the tip of his right ear, blood on the thumb of his right hand, blood on the big toe of his right foot, then blood sprinkled around the altar seven times. If he entered the holy, holy place without following this specification, this is what they say, he would be struck dead. There are uh, two versions of this, but this is what it says. Uh, tradition says he would be struck dead. So the principle of blood sacrifices are very important to God. It was as if God was also constantly through these blood sacrifices reminding man that he could not approach God without the blood of the innocent being shed to cover the sins of the guilty. That's really what I see in the scripture that uh, it was like this constant shedding of blood was also to uh, remind man of this that that uh, there's no ways you can come before God without the shedding of blood. There's no ways you can be cleansed from your sin without the shedding of blood. Because even that, that shedding of blood only covered sin. So you can imagine how many innocent people, animals had to die. How many innocent animals had to die for guilty people. So now, then what would happen? Separating the holy place from the holiest of holies was an ornate veil. It was richly decorated in blue, purple, and scarlet, made of fine twisted linen. And uh, so Jewish tradition, it claims that the veil was very thick. Now, I read somewhere that it was three feet thick. Some people say it was six inches thick, but the point is it was very thick. It was very tightly woven. It was many different, lot of fabric there. So it was very thick. According to the <coughs> Jewish historian Josephus, the veil was 40 was 60 feet high in Herod's temple and several feet thick. Yeah, that's what Josephus says. He was the famous historian who lived in the time of Jesus. Josephus says the veil was several feet thick. So it was heavily, it was very heavy and virtually indestructible. Even fire would take a while to burn given its mass. And so the veil made it clear that there, there was a division between the holy and the profane. The veil guarded the Holy of Holies as a reminder that access to God was not to be taken lightly. The veil was a reminder to the people of Israel that the access to God was not to be taken lightly, that, a, that nobody could just walk through the veil. Nobody. Access to the holy place of God was not to be taken lightly. Yet the veil was destroyed because the Bible says in Matthew 27, 50 and 51, this is when Jesus died upon the cross. When Jesus shouted out again, he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the veil of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. 
And so when Jesus made that ultimate sacrifice and he said, it is finished, and he gave up the spirit, at that moment, the power of God came and the veil of the temple was rent into two. It was, this was the climactic point in human history when the Son of God sacrificed himself as the ultimate offering for all ages, for all people in all places. At that moment, redemption was sealed so that you and I could come to God. His blood was shed for all sinners once and for all. The cost of our sin and the sentence for our crime was paid in that moment in his own blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So now the time we are living in, we do not need the blood of a dead animal smeared upon us. We only need the blood of Jesus. His blood is sufficient for us and his blood is the exclusive means of access to the presence of God. Hallelujah. Tomorrow we are going to start talking about the covenant. So be with us and uh, if you have any questions, if you have anything, uh, just feel free to write to me. Just send me a personal note. And if you need prayer for anything, do write to me. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters who, are, who have watched this. I pray that you put your hand upon their families and bless them, touch them, use them mightily for your glory. I thank you, Jesus, for your mercies upon us. Thank you for the blood that you shed, the sacrifice that you made so that we can enter the holiest of holies through your precious blood and have fellowship with you. We thank you for your mercies in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you, my friends, and I'll be seeing you tomorrow.